0: Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often-forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week, I'm pretty sure we're breaking the seal on comic book movies for this podcast, technically. Is that right? What? Whoa. Oh, did you not know that?
1: I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, one, it's weird that we do it with dread. Dread. <laughs> Like, cause I, I forget this is a comic book movie, but also it's just it's strange that there's so many comic book movies in the world. You think we would have stumbled upon one before this? Yeah. I'm kind of proud of that. That's yeah. cool.
0: I don't think we've done any others. Now I'm worried I'm wrong, but I'm I'm confident that this is our first one. Nothing else comes to mind. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a hell of an entrance. Like Liam said, let's just get into it. We're talking about Dread this week which is a movie from 2012 directed by pete travis who also did vantage point if anybody remembers that uh it was written by alex garland who also was one of the producers who did ex machina and annihilation uh which is pretty good caliber pedigree cinematography by anthony dodd mantle who shot slumdog millionaire and antichrist uh music by paul leonard morgan who has done some other film work but notably is working on the soundtrack for the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 video game uh is based on characters created by John Wagner and Carlos Ezera from a British weekly anthology comic from 2000 AD started in 1977 and it stars Carl Urban, Olivia Thurlby, Lena Headey, Wood Harris and I want to shout out Donald Gleason even though his role is not very big. Uh but yeah, we're here Liam we're uh we're in the uh the comic book times but before
1: we get to the comic book times i want to ask how you're doing in these corona times oh man i'm still doing better than the people in this movie which is fortunate but uh you know i'm dude doing about as good as i could do still staying inside just kind of bopping around don't know which way's up but no one i know is uh is sick or truly suffering so it's not it's not so bad but you know i'm dying to uh to see you and try to record this podcast in person yet again one day. Yeah, I think it's our white whale, man.
0: It really is. I think we have to make a really big deal out of it when we're finally able to do that. Um, Maybe in time for our one year anniversary, we'll be able to do that, which we were just talking about. Uh, It's hard. It's hard to say.
1: It's because there's a lot of podcasts that I've listened to where there's a big episode that's like, this is us doing it for the first time in person, or like we met for the first time this last week in person or something. And I get that when you meet over the internet, and you're podcasting for the love of something (laughs) like across the country or something. But Corey and I currently live in the city in the same city. When we started the podcast, we lived in the same city. We've been friends for years. And while he did not live in my city, he wasn't that far away from my city and would come to visit me in the city. So yeah. it's it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: The furthest I've ever been from Liam is two hours away, and right now I live in his bedroom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we still, we don't see each other. So
0: I don't know how that happens. Um, but thanks to uh, his uh, hospitality, I am also not suffering during these times. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, I I genuinely forgot what day it was before the podcast recording started, but other than that, um, I'm surviving. I'm making it work. I'm still going to work and then staying home when I'm not there, and that's been pretty much it. I've been reading a shitload of Gundam, which we talked about last week, and will inevitably talk about again, because it's been my entire life, and there's a psychic in this movie, which means that it's inevitable. So I guess, yeah... I kind of want to, I don't know how the best way to contextualize this is, because I don't want to start by saying, what do you, where are you at with comic book movies? Because this is basically not one, as we currently understand, comic book movie.
1: Right, yeah. We might have to save that discussion for Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2 or something. Because
0: this is a very violent, very gritty, very stylistically bold like action thriller feels like the yeah, best like it, way to it, describe
1: it, it it's like a comic book movie the way dennis the menace is a comic book movie right like it's technically based on a comic book but but you don't gotta know it don't feel yeah, like a comic well book and movie. it's
0: got like it's got the batman cinematic trajectory where it's like 60s adam west batman is very much like the 1995 judge dread movie that stars uh, sylvester stallone Cause that movie leans a lot more on like sort of conventional structure and like being kind of funny. And it has a comic relief from, I think Rob Schneider is the comic relief character in that movie. And he's got like a love interest and he like takes the helmet off, which if you know dread, he's not supposed to take the helmet off. Um, He's supposed to be all chin. Well, I
1: guess it was Sylvester Stallone. So they had to take yeah, the helmet well, off. Schwarzenegger
0: originally said no, because he'd have to keep the helmet on during like the big moments in the movie. Carl Urban, however, all chin.
1: He's, yeah, uh, his not performance... since RoboCop on this podcast have we seen such an all chin man.
0: Truly. <laughs> and honestly, I think RoboCop's a great parallel because RoboCop also got like an early 2010s reboot remake movie um that yeah. made things sort of sleeker and more tech and uh was all chin
1: <laughs> yeah and yeah um, so go ahead you go Corey. now you go no you go no well, you I go well i was just thinking oh. <laughs> i don't know where to go back from okay i'll i'll go so hard that i'll go back to rob schneider for a second sure did you know that my hometowns claim to fame uh besides having a hockey player come out of it and like play in the NHL or something is that when I was in the fifth grade, Rob Schneider came to visit our town because he was shooting a movie on Lake of the woods.
0: Uh, well, I didn't know what movie.
1: It's a movie that never ended up coming out. Fuck. Some movie based on a book. That's like, it's like called Hootie and the Blowfish or something like not exactly. That's because a band, that, isn't it? That's a band, but like uh, something along those lines.
0: Um, I didn't know that. Did
1: you meet him? I didn't meet him. Um, So I learned about it by having a conversation with my next door neighbor on the sidewalk in front of my house. He was a couple years older than me. I kind of looked up to him. He had like a know how, but he would still hang out with me. And he said, hey, you know, Rob Schneider is visiting the town. And I said, who the heck is Rob Schneider? And he had to like describe describe Rob Schneider to me. I think the reference he used was benchwarmers at the time. Classic. And and I didn't I hadn't seen that one. Um. So I took to Google and I ended up learning that Rob Schneider is like the dude in Fifty First Dates and a couple Adam Sandler movies. So I thought that was kind of neat. And then soon after I went to school, my elementary school, and my French teacher would uh you know she would come into the class like once a week or something to teach us French. And instead of teaching us French one day, she just told us that her sixteen year old daughter, who works at the local coffee shop, met Rob Schneider the previous night, and she just went on about that the entire class. She Wait, said Rob Schneider. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Um, was Rob Schneider ever famous enough to justify that kind of behavior? <laughs> did,
1: no, but did the whole
0: my... town ever care enough about Rob Schneider to dedicate a children's French class? to regaling students about the mere appearance of rob schneider
1: well it's tough dude because my my city is so like lame that rob schneider might not be that famous but my city is that boring so if rob schneider comes in all of a sudden he, he he becomes huge
0: is he the most famous person that's been to your town who's the most famous
1: person that's been to your town uh justin trudeau has been there okay. our prime minister yeah that'll do it <laughs> um it's, it's like someone came through the city just this last summer, dude, like Tom Hanks or something. I don't know what the oh, hell okay. he was doing. He probably has well, a because, cottage out there or some shit. <laughs> yeah, like a lot a lot of famous people do have cottages how on small, Lake. The
0: Woods. How small town Canada do we sound right now?
1: Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, dude. So the rest of this French teacher's story, Rob Schneider comes into this local coffee shop. Everyone's freaking out in the coffee shop. Holy shit, it's Rob Schneider and they got so hyped that they named a drink on the menu after rob schneider is that still there no it probably lasted like a year or two and what then, was it? do you know what it was what was it called i i have no idea Fuck. The, the coffee shop dude it was such a <laughs> hip place it wasn't like a starbucks it was like a a local like co- kind of hip hip c- cool coffee shop with like books and stuff and <laughs> yeah, you, you know had to you know like,
0: books that think cool people love and, they and like you had to, to be drink like, like here?
1: You had to be 16 to work there. My brother told me that because he had tried to get a job there when he was 15. And he was like, no, you have to be 16. And at that time, the coffee shop was just the place my older brother would hang out at. So I got it in my head that this coffee shop was like just a cool kids, older person's hangout. And I'm not of the age where I can bop around that place. So I didn't go into the coffee shop enough to know what the Rob Schneider drink was now.
0: Oh, man, that's. That's a bummer. I don't think um, my town was so bereft of like local culture that I don't even think we had a local spot where you could realistically name a drink after somebody. <laughs> there, there's like mm. one place that is like a true and proper like hometown restaurant, but we don't have like cafes or anything. And the only other thing that we have that's really good is um, like a shawarma place open that does like Lebanese food. It's like some of the best shit I've ever eaten in my life.
1: Fuck. Well they could name something after Rob Schneider. they yeah. call it the fucking the Schwarma, but with like a I C E
0: H. I don't like that. Um also I think the most <laughs> I, I think the most famous person that's come to my town might be Prince Charles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I met him. Oh hey. Yeah. How is he? I mean I was like 10. So I mean
1: he's Your gonna... moral compass might've been skewed.
0: Maybe that's not really what I was getting at, but that's a valid point. Um, more so just that, uh, like obviously they were going to be nice. I was a, I was a child, <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah, him and his, and, uh, and his wife were there <laughs> hanging out doing, I don't, I don't even fucking know what, but, uh, so unfortunately, Carl Urban never came to my town, but he did go to mega city one, <laughs> in the movie dread <laughs>
1: so yeah.
0: um I'm gathering that you did not know shit about shit when it came to dread before this uh not true oh um, well pardon me
1: yeah my experience with Dread prior to this is the Super Nintendo game called oh, Judge Dread. Oh, okay, It's yeah, based off yeah. of the Sylvester Sloan property. Um, and so this is just a game that I always had on my Super Nintendo. It might have been bought before I was born. I don't know. Um, I played it a bit as a kid. My dad and I could never get past the second level. And then I got back into Super Nintendo probably in like the 10th grade or something. And so I fired up did. Judge Dread and i don't think i ever made it past like the third level it's a tough tough game and i got to admit i didn't get a whole lot of uh, inklings about what the story of the comics or the movie is i know about as much as like the poster tells you that you're a helmeted dude who goes around shooting bad guys kind of like a an executioner dude place. yeah
0: you got you're all three Just rolled into one chin
1: so that's that that was that was what I had coming into this and before that it was just uh I kind of figured this movie would be like the new Robocop movie, which I also haven't seen, so I didn't know it's, that much about it.
0: It's the new Robocop movie's fine um just as like I don't know a quick reference point because I have seen it. I think I've seen it twice for some reason. um, it's a respectable update. you know, it's one of those things where it's like if we did it on the show, I don't know how much we'd have to talk about because it's like. Yeah, this is pretty much what I figured, like, a 2013 Robocop movie would look like, where it's a bit, like, it's lost that sort of controversial edge, but it's gesturing at, like, relevant political updates, it just doesn't really go all the way, or it does, but if memory serves, it's in, like, a weird way. It's not, like, interesting bad in the way that, like, the Total Recall remake was, um, which maybe we should do someday, because, like, who the fuck thought that was a good idea? (laughs) but right yeah um i don't want to act like i was some sort of like dread aficionado before this um my familiarity was mostly with this movie um but i knew well, like that's
1: more than most of the world man. i
0: i knew the general lore set up because it would just sort of like permeate the internet and like pop culture and i would just hear about it sometimes so i got like the gist of it um and frankly all you really need is the gist because of how this movie is designed um it's basically a bottle episode um most of it takes place in one building most wasn't expecting that most of it revolves around three people um it's extremely violent uh so i guess to give some context as um dread says in the opening crawl it's sort of like big american dystopia right there's a city of 800 million people that spans from boston to washington dc it's called mega city one And inside Mega City 1, there are mega highways and also mega blocks. And those blocks aren't bootleg Lego, they're big, big buildings. And inside the big, big buildings are tons of people. But uh uh-oh, it's a dystopian future where everything outside the city walls is an inhabitable cursed nightmare, so there's gangs and drugs and garbage everywhere. (laughs) And it's got this sort of cyberpunk e sheen this like blade runner sort of visual sensibility going on with some of the production design and long story short um dread gets paired up with an unproven rookie named anderson who we learned because apparently there's mutants in this reality is a psychic and she didn't pass her test training but they want to give her a shot because she's such a powerful psychic and she is on assessment so it's a, also a first day on the job story And, uh, they get called to Peach Trees, which is one of these big blocks inside Mega City One, and they're there for a triple homicide because some people who fucked up a drug deal got skinned and thrown off a building by Mama and her gang. Mama is a former prostitute who took her vengeful rage from being abused and turned it into a drug empire, and, um... She is like in control of the whole like 200 level building and is in control of production and distribution of this drug called slow-mo, which is great. And as we will get into, because the way movie, the movie illustrates the effects of the drug is fucking awesome. But, uh, it makes time seem like it's going by at 1% the normal speed. And, uh, that's a wild drug to create and have exist. And, uh, so once Dred and Anderson are kind of getting to the bottom of this, they want to try to shut down this whole drug thing and they get locked down in the building and Mama is like, yo, kill those judges. And so the whole thing is them trying to stay alive and uncover what's happening and try to get Mama and stop the drug thing uh, without dying in the process. And I love
1: movies set up like this. I do too, dude. Holy shit. When it got revealed what this movie was, that it's a first day on the job, uh rookie cop, senior cop movie. I was so so hyped, like Training Day, End of Watch. I love that shit. Police Academy, I'm down. And then when it when they go into the block and she comes over the speaker, Mama, and she's like, "Yo, you guys are getting locked in this block. I need these people's heads." I was so, so hyped. I love movies that take place in one location. I love movies that take place in a location where the longer the characters are in there, the more dangerous it gets. Yeah. I love movies that are structured kind of like a video game where it's like, like just the levels of the blocks. It's right. like, okay, the higher they get up on this thing, the more intense it's going to get. And so I was I was so excited after the first half hour of this movie because I really didn't know what I was going to get. I didn't know what kind of action sci-fi comedy comic book movie this was yeah, gonna be well, I had no in, idea
0: you're not a huge like action guy so I definitely recommended this because I had seen it before i had seen it several times um whoa I, I didn't know
1: that did yeah I, I think I had seen it like three times before today so what what is your history with this movie like why did you go see it in the first place because um, I think a lot of the world didn't and then why did it get its claws into you I mean it's so no surprise it did but
0: I I don't I don't know, like, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or if I saw it at home or when I saw it the first time, but, and this is going to give away how I feel about the movie,
1: um, because I love I mean, this you're, movie. You're, you're not going to watch a movie five times cause you hate it.
0: Yeah. Um, it had been a couple of years since I had seen it, so it was nice to revisit it, but it's just a, it's perfectly structured and paced so you're never bored and I think that welcomes rewatching, just because um you're always sort of up to something or something's always happening but like I don't know man I feel like it speaks for itself the movie's just too good to not let it get its claws into you um so so you
1: just happened to see it that first time and um, then after that you maybe, were like I'm in
0: maybe happened to see it maybe consciously saw it, but I know like my mom and I have watched it together I know like I haven't, I don't, I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't like this movie and there's just something about it because it is so unexpected, right? It's taking this source material that you wouldn't necessarily know what they would do with, or they would try to do the Stallone thing, like the big blockbuster kind of thing or whatever. And they boil it down to its essence, uh, a la Batman. Like I was half explaining earlier where the thing that you got in the two thousands and 2010s was like the gritty version was what i was trying to elaborate on but um it sort of boils it down to its essence and relies on really really solid story structure and character dynamics that are just presented in the best possible way like the script is tight the performances are great the production design is great i don't know the music's great like it And there are moments where it does feel properly like comic book, not in just like a couple like one liners, but, um, aesthetically there's something about the way characters look up against backgrounds. That's not straight, like green screeny, but has this sort of quality to it that for me evoked comic art. But, um, I don't know, man, like it feels stupid to say, and I'll elaborate when we talk about it, but like, it's just good like it's just fundamentally good it's so solid that it's also really short and I've commented on the show in the past that a movie being short is sometimes a bad thing because it means they just didn't have enough to even make a movie with so like they just sort of cut it short but um this movie short because it knows exactly what it's doing it knows exactly what the story is it's going to tell you that and it's going to get the fuck out um Anyway, that's a long-winded way of answering your question. I'm just going to get straight into it, Liam. <laughs> what did you think about Dread?
1: <laughs> uh, very similarly, man. I I uh, I'm just wondering how you saw this in the first place, because so many people don't talk about it. And I mean, uh, I have friends
0: that talk about it. Like for me, I didn't realize this was somewhat underseen
1: like that's well that's the thing dude it's like sure i'm sure all the people you've talked to who have seen this movie love it because it's a great movie i agree with you but i'm sure you've talked to a lot more people that haven't seen this movie
0: yeah yeah and honestly that's like really
1: that sucks man like, yeah, like, it's it's a movie that, you know, if you have, like, some, some movie-loving friends and, like, they, they kind of seek stuff out, especially recently, I feel like I've heard in the last year or so, this movie brought up and people are like, yo, that was, like, really good from... Like seven years ago or whatever, and people didn't go see it. I've been hearing a bit of that, so I totally understand that anyone who sees this, it's it's gonna be sick, like Exorcist yeah. three levels sick. Yeah. But uh, but it's it's weird that this didn't catch on. I don't remember this coming out, and I was following theatrical releases at the time. Um, I don't know anyone from this movie except for when Dominal Gleeson showed up. I didn't know anyone in this movie. I don't know. Wait, who you don't Karl know who Carl Urban, Urban, Urban is?
0: Oh, I wow. have no idea. You don't know and, who and Lena Headey is?
1: No, I have no idea who what? that is. What? Are you fucking kidding me? And so I looked up Carl Urban's <laughs> face after the movie, you and I was like, face. okay. I was like, I gotta know his face. I only saw his chin, so it makes sense uh, that I'm, I'm just, I'm not gonna recognize him from the chin or like the Doctor Dread Doomy voice that he does, you know. But uh, I looked him up, and I dude, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have no idea who that is. Wow. I, uh, I was expecting him to look like Keith Urban. And he it's didn't. not I, he ain't that. It's, it's not Keith Urban. I've never seen that man in my life.
0: So wait, hang on. You actually don't know who Lena Headey
1: is. I have no idea Crazy. That, who that means. So that's just making me think of Back to the Future.
0: That's well, she plays Mama in this movie, and she's done plenty of stuff. I don't wanna bowl over everything that she's done. However. She was Cersei Lannister on Game of Thrones, and a lot of people are going to know her for that. I mostly know her for that, and she's a fucking powerhouse on that show. Um, so that's where you would know her from. The only actor I wasn't super familiar with and um, part of this main cast was Anderson, who is played by Olivia Thirlby, who has had like a decently long career, <laughs> started working in 2006, is in Juno apparently. Um, i have
1: seen juno so i must have seen her face but i didn't yeah, recognize her. she's
0: great i wish that she did more stuff that i had seen or rather i wish i had seen more of what she's in i guess would be the fair way of saying that but it's um,
1: your fault
0: yeah it's, it's olivia's fault i haven't seen it's olivia's movies. fault um but,
1: why weren't you in american werewolf in paris yeah, and what the fuck? every other movie we've done in this podcast um but yeah
0: so let's start at the beginning i guess So the way that they set up the world with that opening monologue, that opening monologue fucking rules. Um, And I feel like it immediately sets the tone for like what you're getting into where it's not corny at all. And it's not gesturing at anything. It's just, this is what it we're playing this straight. 100%. There's like a couple one liners. There's like maybe three one liners. But other than that, it's like we're playing this straight and what straight means with this is like, uh, colorful and stylistic and violent, but still straight. You know what I mean? Like it's not winking at you. Um, and it's got this great sort of like dystopian look, like there's fucking trash flying everywhere. And, uh, he's starting with this chase of these like three drug peddlers. Um, and it's also playing very straight. The sort of like virtues of justice, the judges all come from the hall of justice and they police this fucking gigantic city. And as the movie states, they can only re- respond to 6% of all crime uh, because there's like 14,000 crimes a day or something. <laughs> and um, it, it just, it sets the tone, and then you get a sense for Dredd, who is like this unwavering, stoic, fucking machismo man who, well, not even machismo, but he's just like very strong and stoic and like... Um, unknowable, he's enigmatic and we have like a police chief and we get um, Anderson who is revealed to be this psychic who's going to go out with him who is basically the movie's like emotional core and they have this great dynamic where she sort of comes into her own as a judge he sort of realizes the virtue in not being as cold and calculating but still very cold and calculating and um, yeah they're just sent into peach trees on what is meant imagined to be kind of a routine thing and we sort of get the sense that this mama character is uh sort of taken over the building floor by floor got the other gangs out and is producing this drug and actually i think i want to hone in on the drug first uh liam tell me a bit about what slow-mo looks like in this movie (laughs) slow-mo the
1: drug uh dude well it just uh So when they take it it's a lot of close up shots it's like a first person type close up shot of like this liquid mm-hmm. that they ingest and that's really cool it shows you that something's about to go down and then the result of the drug is about what you would expect it's uh the movie is in very very slow motion um but you're not always Whereas slow motion is often used in movies to show something that's really dramatic and epic, and we do get that in this movie, slow mo in this movie is also used to just like show people hanging out and taking in the moment. And because the movie is shot with um, such vibrant colors and like there's a lot of dirt on the surfaces. Um, and there's just a lot of depth to every shot. All these slow-mo sequences are, in my opinion, just really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. It would have been nice to see in 3D. I learned after watching this movie that it was originally uh, in 3D, and the movie was like called Dread 3D, and I can feel that, but I honestly didn't find that the slow-mo effects didn't translate to 3d i didn't find that and i and i worried that they might when something is like so in your face like this but the first slow motion sequence we see where mama is in the bath and yeah, she like it's just water in the her air. Hand, yeah it's just water in the air and it feels so epic and this is before i even know what the slow-mo drug is um, it's just a shot of slow motion water. It feels so epic, but it doesn't feel like it's like posturing. Like it's just showing this really high def slow motion sequence because it can. Like even though I knew I didn't. Uh, sorry. Even though I didn't know that there was a reason behind this slow mo thing, yeah. it it didn't feel like it was like. Did it like catch you wa-
0: off guard at all? Like the sequence just suddenly being that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it
1: caught me very off guard. Well, I guess it it happens
0: earlier in the movie, but either way, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it caught me off guard, and I was just amazed, and I realized even in the moment, like, that in another movie, this would feel like cheesy and lame it's like oh look like we're we're just making this slow-mo to make it seem like there's like depth or complexity to this movie but really we're just slow-mo is just like a cheap way for people to think that something is epic but I didn't feel that at all and then when it was revealed shortly after that slow-mo is actually a significant uh, plot device and uh, cinematic device in this movie I was like holy moly it's so cool that it seemed so organic to start with and, and I don't really I know think, how they did.
0: That. I think the reason for that is because it's not about being epic or like groundbreaking. It's about world building. Like it's illustrating what the drug is like, because it helps inform why people would take it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Because like, looks pretty cool. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> maybe I want to try drugs is what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I know a guy oh cool nice sick we'll talk off air Carl Urban okay. stop listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> And um, so I think what works is that it's it's as much about being cool looking as it is giving you context for what is happening in this situation and what this drug is like and how it's going to influence the rest of the movie um, I think there's a lot of visually interesting stuff going on with, uh, Anderson's psychic abilities too, um, and how it sort of hones in on her and the background will kind of fade out to the degree to which she's focusing. And there'll be just like effects to sort of not distort her, but sort of like give this impression that like, she is somewhere else. Like she is doing some psychic shit, um, like I said, I've been reading a lot of Gundam and I need to do this real fast. I'm sorry. So Gundam has new types in it. New types are basically psychic for the sake of argument. That's what I'm going to say. And just what it makes me think of is how they visually communicate when some new type shit is happening in Gundam. And that's also through sort of color and effects. And occasionally they'll have a character's eyes just go white um, to illustrate that like their mind is somewhere else right now. And I think this movie is also doing that with how they portray Anderson... Honing in on something else and learning about something or being in someone else's mind. And there's something about the visual sensibility of how this movie just communicates those two things that is so strong and so bold. And the last thing you would expect from a quote unquote, and I'm using this very loosely, comic book movie now. Like if they were to take the dread property now, the movie would not be this
1: yeah and that's crazy in to me, dude. years because 20 this movie came out in 2012 and 2012 to me feels like a couple years ago and it is crazy to think that yes comic book movies and and adaptations have already changed so much like i this movie feels so old in old it, fashioned Old fashioned, but modern. And I realized that so early on that this is like 80s cheese, but it's not with a wink at all. Like it feels just like the way 80s movies would have felt when you watch them in the 80s, where it's just like, this is just a good movie. Yeah, It's not referencing something from the past. Yeah,
0: that's what I meant by playing it straight. I think is like, this should be cheesy and it's not. And it's based and that's true in how they're presenting it. I think that's in part because of how fucking violent it is um holy Holy moly yeah gory um the violence is unflinching especially in slow-mo when you watch like a bullet just like ripple through a person's face
1: oh man yeah Um, once once the drug was revealed and i knew we were gonna get more slow-mo i was so excited for what was to come and it it doesn't it doesn't it's like uh, horror movie gore
0: honestly like there's exploded heads and like skinned bodies because these gangs don't fucking take no shit dude and um yeah it just and I think the performances do a lot too because like the script's not winking at you, the production designs, not winking at you and the characters are not winking at you. So all you can do is take it for what it is. And the way it manages to strike that tone where you're just like, yep, I'm in and I'm not thinking twice about it at all is incredible, especially because I feel like now so much about Big tentpole movies is about being a wink and a nod, or like gesturing at something else. Where it's like, no, this movie's just dread, dude. Like it's relying on familiar narrative structures, but it's still its own thing. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's that's really what got me about this movie. Um, because I think it's that's unique. What I'll- it's so unique. That's what a lot of movies were in the 80s, right? Where it's like things we look back on fondly now. It's like, hey, this like bad guy is really memorable. These action sequences are really memorable. But, but those were movies that were just all by themselves, just like trying to do a single thing. And nowadays, there's a lot of looking to the past and there's just so much content out there that um, people kind of feel the need to reference other content and it's just it's so difficult to just make a movie that is yeah. straight well, like this and it was so it was so pleasant
0: what's fucked up is this is referencing something it's based on a pre-existing thing it just doesn't feel like it
1: like right now that's the, why i forgot me, this was a comment yeah
0: you could tell me this was just a movie that alex garland wrote and that was it and then the movie got made and i'd be like great <laughs> you know perfect um and i i do like how one of the ways they managed to do that is making something called the hall of justice not cheesy and the way they do that is by introducing corrupt judges so then when you get judge dread and by extension uh, judge anderson they are genuine paragons of virtue in a genuinely lawless nightmare landscape and not like cranked up rent-a-cops who have no respect for like the rights of people because there's a version of this movie that is just sort of like um militant policing glorification and that sucks and this isn't mm-hmm.
1: that um, no yeah i was so surprised dude
0: and i i think the core of the movie is so strong i think uh carl urban and olivia Thurlby are a fucking astounding <laughs> they're so good because judge Dredd Like, Carl Urban really is performing with a gruff voice, his body language, and, like, a third of his face. And you're there. You're... It's so good. He takes on this sort of, like, um, idealized, like, just and true, like, masculine authority figure thing. Where it's like, he doesn't really... He's just Judge Dredd, right? Like, he's Judge Dredd at the beginning, and he's Judge Dredd at the end. (laughs) Um it's Anderson that we see like go through like a meaningful change but you just buy Carl Urban and you buy that like dread is a real person somehow <laughs> you know like I it's really it's, it's impressive honestly
1: Yeah dude no I know exactly what you mean um I got I got converted by Carl Urban real quick to be a Carl Urban fan yeah. not knowing this guy and That's really amazing because we got to remember that even though this movie is like seven years old and it makes sense they could do this then I'm watching this movie from a 2020 perspective and I like movies uh, that do winks and nods and we've talked about movies on this podcast in the past where we've said you know playing it straight was a mistake there should have been more here because this thing doesn't work anymore and so me watching this movie, it's it's very likely that I could have come away saying uh, they needed to do something different. This thing doesn't work anymore. It's it's 80s cheese that is uh, coming at a time where 80s cheese doesn't work anymore because we've been exposed to all these other things and we need more. And I didn't feel that at all. It was so quickly. I was just roped up in this movie. Um, I was so excited to see where it went. Um once the plot really kicks in at the block. I was so excited that this movie was an hour and a half. You brought that up early. And I saw that before I hit play, and that was my first inkling that this movie's going to kick ass. I didn't think... It's going to get in and get the fuck out. It's cut down. Yeah, I thought this this is a movie that just has a singular story to tell. This isn't like the start of a failed dread franchise that tried to go big and, and didn't make it happen. I was like, this is just, this is just going to be a singular story and it's going to be rad from top to finish, you know? And, uh, that's totally what it is. An hour and a half, dude, this is just, it's such, such a killer.
0: And I will say like the movie does wink and nod at you occasionally. For example, they're carrying around a prisoner who made the mistake of being kept alive. And uh, Anderson is going to uh, kill this man because uh, – or not, like, fight him. No, kill him. I don't remember. My brain's getting mangled. Anyway, I'm trying to just quote here. Leave me alone. Um, He says, you got any last words, bitch? And then she says, it's funny. I was going to ask you that, bitch. And then kicks him in the face. So, like yeah. – Or, like, there's that line at the beginning where – dread tells a guy to like hey i wouldn't do that if i were you hot shot and then the guy goes what did you just say and dread holds up his gun and says hot shot and then he shoots like a fire bullet out of his gun that he can talk to and like that's silly but it doesn't feel silly and that's the (laughs) distinction
1: yeah, it, dude, it's amazing because that kind of stuff is in 80s movies as well. And we love that stuff. And if it's done nowadays, it just feels like it's copying it 80s, feels stupid. 80s movies. Or but it feels
0: here, like it's trying too hard. And this doesn't feel like yeah. it's trying
1: at all. It's just no, good. It honestly, I'm like, I'm just going to keep harping on it. But this feels like an 80s movie that was made in the 80s with like really good cameras and everything and (laughs) like also access to like future Carl Urban because he wouldn't have been old at the time but it feels like it was made in the 80s and then just preserved and came out in 2012 2012, because a movie a movie that tries to do the 80s thing now it and tries to be an 80s movie even like without winking it's like you can't help but wink and it comes up and so I i don't know how this exists this
0: movie's so ruthless too like the villains like mama is fucking terrifying and Mm -hmm. violent and cruel and vindictive and mean and like just out for fucking blood and protecting what she has and there's just so much that separates it from what this movie could have been and i think um really strong characters as part of it, really, like, defined characters. Um, Like, Mama is great, because she is just this, like, this, like, panicle queen of the building who's just, like, ready to fuck shit up as needed um, and loves drugs. And then you do have Anderson, who starts off as sort of um, nervous and a bit unsure but like educated and prepared because it's an assessment for her she's being like quizzed and there's like a guy sitting out front and he's judge dreads like what's the sentence for this guy and she's like um a uh, vagrancy it's like three weeks in iso cubes and then judge Dredd is like you hear that don't be here when we come back and then when they come back not only is he still there he gets violently crushed by a giant door but again doesn't <laughs> feel silly um yeah and um anderson kind of anderson first of all hyper competent like can fight can absolutely take care of herself is arguably the most powerful person in the building because she is also a psychic and injects this sort of emotion and compassion for the people in the building she specifies that she wants to make a difference in people's lives and judge Dredd's like wow that's admirable but like you fucked up because how are you going to do that But she's trying to take into consideration um, the context of other people's lives and how they ended up here and, like, what it means to be a criminal or, like, a victim of crime. So, like, a couple people get let off and things like that, but she also grows to be more sure of herself in a really dire situation where she eventually gets, like, captured and, like fucked around but she is able to get herself out of a bind so seeing those characters be able to separate and like come into her own and then they reunite and dread's just been dread the whole time but she's had this sort of transformation and i guess it's worth mentioning um this movie like extremely passes the Bechtel test um which i don't know if that's something we've talked about on this show before but um it's basically a way to measure how misogynistic and shitty your movie is and how it treats female characters. And not only are two out of three of the main characters, women, they're both, um, hyper competent in charge can handle their shit are not like hyper sexualized or anything, which feels silly to have to point out. But that is also a very unique thing about this movie.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is really admirable. I didn't I didn't even think one way or the other about it and it's it is important to note, but I didn't think about it because um it just it felt so natural to me and the movie was just like was just totally killing it in its characterization and so yeah. I was uh I was just thinking of the characters as like real people, it didn't it didn't matter what gender they were.
0: Yeah, well and it's not like, oh, Anderson's able to be compassionate because she's a woman. It's like, no, she's able to be compassionate because she's a fucking psychic. So she just knows everything about these people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not playing into this weird, like, feminine, domestic, emotional value. It's just like, nah, man. She's the only one with a face you can see that's a good guy. So that conveys emotion. And she can literally read people's minds. But she's also using that ability to understand when there is a judge pretending to be there as backup and just like fucking ice cold killing that person because she knows she's in danger. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so you were commenting earlier on how the movie ramps up is very like video game structured, but I also think it's just perfect because it's always building a little bit. Like there's always a new element to what's happening where it's like, they're in and they do that drug bust and then they try to leave and they get locked in and then they realize the extent of mama's plan and they have to start fighting people off. And then mama brings out like the giant fucking terrifying chain guns and they have to work with people in the building to hide. And, um, then they get split up and then they have to deal with, um, rogue judges who are getting bribed. And then they have to sort of like navigate reuniting and getting back up into the, uh, building because um mama has this like tech guy who she basically like, abuses and terrifies played by donald gleason she uh punctured out his eyes and gave him cameras for eyes and he's like running the building now they have it under like war lockdown so nobody can get out and it's just that it just escalates bit by bit and then the characters have to adapt to like now i'm out of bullets or like now there's bad guys that look like good guys or now we're surrounded and just every little layer just adds and ads.
1: yeah yeah and that sounds like a lot what you just said um but the way the movie is able to like go so smoothly from one bit to the other is really really cool and um you also got to remember that this movie doesn't have uh the typical (laughs) structure of like a a drama movie or like a comedy movie or even a lot of other action movies where like characters just kind of take a break and talk for a while or it does have time to do
0: that but it's always pushing forward still
1: yeah yeah it's, it's it's like fit like not even in between these scenes but it's like jabbed in between the moments of the scenes you know
0: yeah or you're getting that character building like when anderson is talking with uh the prisoner whose name i don't remember and you get like development then or when she's talking to the mom who she realizes oh i killed your husband earlier because he tried to kill me well i feel bad about that because you have a baby and you're getting the moments that build up to that as the plot progresses and it's not being like it's not looking at his watch and being like oh shit we forgot all the character development we have to go back and do character development now um mm-hmm. and it's weird because you say that out loud and you're like yeah every movie should do that i thought and it's like you thought wrong because plenty of movies don't fucking do that
1: um, yeah
0: so, so like what what sequence in this movie sticks out to you was the one that got you not hooked necessarily but you were like holy shit like what's like your favorite part of the movie because clearly we're all in clearly we're gonna just sing its praises forever but like i feel like there's a lot of iconic feeling sequences like what sticks out
1: to me. It's, it's the one where they um, dread and um, Anderson when they go into the block um, at the beginning of the, the training day and mama comes over the intercom and just, just gives this like monologue about what's about to happen. Because up until that point, I I had an inkling of, of what the movie was going to um, have in store for me because like we see some brutality of the people who got their heads crushed on the pavement. I know it's a violent movie. Um, I've already come to terms with the fact that this movie is playing it's super straight, um, and I know that I like these characters, but I still don't exactly know where this movie is going to go. Okay, I want to see what Anderson and Dredd do on their first day of the job, but I don't I don't know where it's going to take them. Maybe it's a movie that does have those slow moments, or maybe it's a movie that goes from different location like ac- across the city chases or something. I don't know. And so when Mama came over the speaker and said that, these people aren't going to get out of this building alive um it just tied everything together for me that i was like okay i love these characters i'm so down to just stick with the two of them throughout the entire movie i like the character of mama and so i'm excited to have her as a sort of final boss and also as someone we're going to see occasionally trying to uh figure out what to do once these people start kicking ass because they're the main characters and they're going to kick some ass. And I love the production design of the movie. So I loved the way the block looked already. I'm ready to just spend the next hour in this movie. And so I was just so excited when it turned out that's what the movie was going to be. It's like... um. At the end of John Wick Chapter 2, we learned that a lot of people are going to be after John Wick. And right as oh, that starts such to happen... A good setup the movie ends and so it got me super excited for number three um but i was just like man i want to see that right now and so it was so so exciting to start this movie and 20 minutes in it's like oh shit i'm gonna see john wick chapter three you
0: got the moment where you were like i want to see this right now and then you did see it right now
1: (laughs) yeah and so it was it was it was that feeling that i absolutely love when i watch a movie where i just realized okay i am Currently watching this movie for the first time, and I just get to enjoy this, not knowing what's going to happen. I had the same feeling with Alex Garland's Ex Machina, so maybe Dude. it's just a thing he he can do well. But yeah, it feels like John Wick Chapter Two. It feels like Training Day. It feels like The Warriors, and I was just that was the moment I realized oh, all that, Warriors, and I was so in
0: The Warriors is such a good fucking parallel here. <laughs> um. Yeah uh really quick i don't want to take anything away from pete travis who directed this movie i don't think i've seen vantage point which is one of his other more notable ones which was like um one crime happens or like explosion happens or something and you see it from like seven different character perspectives
1: oh that sounds sick i want to watch that yeah i think like
0: pierce brosnan is in it or something it's like an action throwery kind of thing but like alex garland producing and writing this dude does not make bad movies (laughs) Like totally this, ex machina annihilation, like dude, does not make bad anything. Um, yeah, I also want to speak to the production design because I was saying earlier how it invokes like cyberpunk and like dystopia and Blade Runner and stuff like that, and it does, but it doesn't feel like it's ripping it. It feels like okay, this is the dread version of that, but it. There's something about, I think, how the universe comes together with also, like, the violence and the drug use and the way the drug use looks that makes it feel distinct. It's also just grimier than uh, something like a Blade Runner is. Blade Runner's pretty grimy, but, like, I think that's more pronounced in, like, a 2049, whereas in the original, things are still a bit, like, future-slick. Whereas here it's like, nah, man, there's just like fucking garbage and trash and dirt and dead people fucking everywhere all the time. And it goes so well with something you talked about earlier with like the visual sensibility, which is like you do get a lot of like close ups with wide angles that just bring it really close and really tight. It's something we've talked about with like split diopter shot framing where you've got like two things that you could be looking at in frame at the same time that could be the focus of your eye and the split diopter puts them both in focus but what this movie does is like you'll have a giant Carl Urban face and in the background like Anderson will be standing there but you're just getting Carl Urban face and it's like half the fucking frame and Mm -hmm. everything else is out of focus and in the depth and there's just something unique about that I think also what I was saying earlier about the way it looks a bit comic booky might be chalked up to being shot for 3D um, now that I'm thinking about it uh but but it, it works dude you know, and you, no no I, no I mean that as a good thing
1: <laughs> yeah no no totally and it, it it sort of feels like in uh comic books where like the main character is distinct from the background you know especially yeah. in yeah, especially in archie it. comics dude in archie <laughs> you always got like some like random tertiary character that just like wanders into the, yeah. front of the frame yeah. for some reason it, it very much feels uh sort of like that it's it's really really cool and then you get dutch
0: angles which just sort of like elevate tension in certain scenes or make things sort of like more heightened but then you'll get like all sorts of different action cinematography you'll get some handheld stuff you'll get some really tight stuff you'll get some stuff that's sort of tracking and following characters like when they have that french connection to ass shootout in the drug making area which is a Mm -hmm. parallel i was not expecting to make today but here we are yeah somebody has to reference the french connection 2 and it may as well be us um (laughs) yeah this movie's like what if the french connection 2 was in the future and good
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you think about it Um, this movie is like what if this movie but good for a lot of movies
0: yeah and um the music's great i know that we don't tend to always talk about the music unless one of us specifically points it out but um it, it threads a lot of needles between being like a bit like almost like dubstepy at points. Cause it was 2012 and being like electronic and then having like real drums and instruments in there. But it's always just like going hard, you know,
1: like you're just in and um, yeah, yeah, totally fits all it, of it. Really, really fits.
0: And yeah, like I keep thinking of new things that should be corny, but aren't, but the guns can shoot all kinds of different bullets and to change bullets, you just say it out loud to the gun so there's a part where Judge Dredd is low on ammo and in a firefight with like corrupt other judges and he's like, he's like, hot shot, incendiary, rapid fire, high X, and that's the one that and then he blows a fucking guy's head up. But it's like, this is a man wearing a giant helmet that covers his whole face that can kill people on a whim because the law says so because he is the law talking to a gun and you don't question it for a single fucking second. <laughs>
1: yeah it's just it's done with such conviction that it feels very much like oh maybe this is the world we're going to get to where yeah. someday you're gonna have to speak out loud to your gun to reload it Yeah, and your gun is seem fucking ridiculous connected to alexa but um, yeah yeah and it makes me it makes me think uh It makes me maybe understand why they remade this movie. I haven't seen the original Judge Dredd, but you say he takes the mask off. That's kind of that's kind of whack. And there's like big chunks of the
0: movie where he just doesn't have a helmet
1: at all. Right. And that sounds like the slow like movie bits that we don't don't want in this movie.
0: And then Anderson is Rob Schneider and not a judge.
1: gosh yeah so i can see like watching um the original judge dread um and being like okay we need to do this but like more like an 80s movie because it came out in 1995 or it's yeah. like the 80s are like over right. and so it's trying to be more like a like a regular blockbuster movie you know
0: yeah yeah man um this is like a perfect storm of things that make a movie good and it's it's weird too because it was well received critically it made more than its budget but like it just it didn't become like part of the known discourse for a while that said i'm so glad this movie does not have a sequel
1: (laughs) totally yeah it 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 doesn't feel like it needs one at all nobody um...
0: wants the judge anderson sequel get it the fuck out we don't want it the ending sets up that she has passed the test despite in theory failing the test because like she lost her gun and wasn't always necessarily following protocol but he learns that sometimes compassion is protocol and being a psychic makes things weird and she's clearly hyper competent and wants to help people let her be the law and she is and it's cool and good and that's literally all you need (laughs)
1: yeah dude i thought i was gonna come away from this movie um being like oh man i see why that didn't get a sequel um but instead i came away from this movie being like yo i see why that didn't get a sequel because it didn't want one no i thought this movie was gonna want a sequel and it absolutely doesn't and i think that's so cool
0: there's no bait ending where it's like tune in next week for more fucking cosmic judge dread adventures where he goes to space and and it's like no like we got it. We're good. Thank you for this experience Pete Travis and Alex Garland, but we're good, dude. Like
1: Yeah, it it truly is like um there's one Judge Dredd movie from the 90s, and apparently it's not that good. And so, like, maybe these people who were fans of the comics were like, okay, no, if we're gonna have like one Judge Dredd movie, we need to make like a better one. Yeah. So let's do that. And then yeah. they did the one, and then they're like, okay, and cool. And now this is the only there one anyone go.
0: talks about anymore. Cause why would you yeah. talk about the other one? Yeah. And I mean, for a comic that's run that long, I have no doubt Judge Dredd gets silly and corny and stupid and dumb in a lot of ways. And, In ways that the other movie would be appropriate for. And I have no doubt there's things about the character that are stupid and silly and dumb and likely like comically hyper masculine or like invoking what being the law means in weird ways that are probably kind of gross and don't feel like they've aged great and maybe has like a weird complicated politics to it. But this boils things down in such a way that you really do feel like you're not getting anything other than what is being shown to you and it doesn't feel like it's making a weird statement right like you feel like what you've seen is these sort of like paragons of virtue in a lawless land sort of like grow and find themselves while fighting like a genuine evil and you're not getting this weird like boy these sir seem like hyper militarized and like they're recklessly killing people it invokes that because it's a fucking nightmare tech dystopia with corrupt police officers that can execute people on site which isn't great obviously and uh i don't know if i want someone who can get on a pa and unironically say i am the law and mean it in real life but here it works because yeah. you believe they're the law they're clearly the law look at how fucking hard they're trying to enforce the law <laughs> yeah I don't know, man. It's just a really good movie.
1: Yeah, well, before we get out of here, Corey, why don't you say what your big moment was this time around where you were like, oh, I remember why this movie kicks ass. This oh, is awesome. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do want to point out the fucking monologue where he does just say, I am the law. Because it's a lot better than the Stallone, which is like, I am the law. <laughs> like, he just oh, fucking Oh, yes, I've seen,
1: I have seen that clip, and yes. then,
0: And then the other guy goes, Oh, <laughs> yeah which is just too fucking much but um i think it might be honestly it's a smaller moment maybe because i've seen it a few times but i'm thinking about that part where those two kids run out and he yells freeze <laughs> and then dread's like mm-hmm. yo why should i freeze dog <laughs> like give me one good reason to freeze <laughs> and then yeah. he just like stuns them even though he threatens to kill them but it's, I feel like it's a moment that encapsulates both what they stand for, their strength in opposition to the things that they're up against, and the fact that there is a degree of compassion. So I feel like it it encapsulates a couple different things all at once. There's certainly flashier moments, but I like that little scene.
1: That No, that is an absolutely great scene. I had forgot about it for now as we're talking about all these bigger ones, but... Um. Now that you've mentioned it, I remember watching that scene at the time and just being totally into it. It doesn't feel like one of those slow moments. It's uh, it's right in line with the rest of the movie. It's awesome. And if we're gonna talk slow moments, real quick, my honorable mention for my uh, favorite m- moment in this movie that really got me into it and knowing that this is a kick-ass movie, I'm gonna watch again and again. Is when we see the rooftop concrete half pipe that oh, like that juts out rules. the end of the building, dude. That's like some 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shit. Like, I just want to be yeah. there. It's such a cool creation, and I absolutely love that thing. Yeah, I think they, that's they such blow, cool they blowed design. it
0: away out onto it, and it's fucking in the middle of the night and it's snowing for some reason, even though it was clearly <sighs> like summer earlier today. <laughs> and uh, yeah,
1: um, yeah. And I, I was totally, I was totally convinced that. When we saw it um, earlier as like an establishing shot, that would be the only time we saw it, just to like show it's like there kind there like of a three times. cool concrete world. But then they go back to it, and I'm just like, oh, this movie gets me. That was so yeah. awesome,
0: man. You know what? Um, everybody should go watch this. I don't know where you watched it. It's on Amazon Prime, though.
1: Oh, that's where I saw. it.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's like it's fucking ninety minutes of your life. Give this movie ninety minutes, goddamn, it. it's earned it. Um, it's this was the Flintstones palette cleanser we needed.
1: <laughs> it's true. This is the yeah, inverse you, you of
0: Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm glad that we got a chance to watch it. I think uh, it's also um the first time or one of the first times, I think cat people would be the other one where it's like, I had seen a movie several times, so it was nice, like, revisiting something for me. That was fun, and I'm Mm -hmm. so glad you liked it. I couldn't think of a version of this where you didn't at least like it, but it's nice to hear that you loved it. (laughs)
1: it's true yeah and i'm now in the same boat um i thought i might not like this before i watched it and then i realized very quickly that i was gonna like it and so now i'm just like i can't imagine how anyone wouldn't be into this and i'm gonna do some digging tonight to see if there's anyone out there that doesn't like this movie oh they uh, they
0: exist and they're wrong i guarantee there's gonna be like (laughs) there's gonna be like stallone movie purists for some fucking yeah. reason and it's going to be yeah. cuz it's going to be because they were 8 years old in 1995 <laughs>
1: Or like Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas purists. Dude, you know? don't,
0: don't get... I That's already, just what they want. I already had to talk to Ben about this. I don't want to do this again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, maybe maybe the filmmakers of this movie um, didn't actually see 1995's Dread. That wasn't the inspiration. They watched Flintstones In Viva, Viva Rock, Vegas. Rock Vegas and they were like, we need to do the opposite we, of
0: this. We need to take everything this movie's doing down from how it treats source material to production design. So Alan cummings weird head and none of that needs to be here and we need to do the exact opposite of that so instead of like weird desert with crazy rocks everything's concrete and dark um instead of being cheesy as hell absolutely no cheese this is a dairy-free film alan (laughs) cumming wasn't cast in it don't see him anywhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and that's why there's no sequel but if if we ever get a sequel to flintstones fever rock vegas it has to start carl urban it's coming yeah you bet dread 2 is coming (laughs) the judge is gonna set things straight
0: that's what's gonna wake fucking alex garland from his slumber (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna be sitting in a castle in the middle of the fucking woods and uh a pigeon's gonna not a pigeon like a bird's gonna fly onto his window with a note in its foot and it's gonna say the flintstones got a sequel and he's gonna like He's gonna fucking sound a horn and summon his film and be like, Our time has come. Fucking yeah. Pete Travis is gonna swoop in, and like the fucking cinematographer's gonna swoop in, and fucking yeah. Carl Urban and Olivia Thurlby are gonna kick the door down.
1: Yeah. I didn't wanna do it, but you all knew we might have to.
0: <laughs> Dude, fucking. That's the only way I would allow a Flintstone sequel to happen.
1: Yeah, to balance
0: out. More dread
1: yeah to balance out the evil in the world or you started this podcast by saying there's not much more to say in that this is just good fundamentally good yeah and i think that's that's what it is if flintstones fever rock vegas is fundamentally evil fundamentally evil then you need good in the world to balance it out so that's 2020
0: yin yang is outdated you know what's not outdated (laughs) the flintstones dread yeah that's the new that's the new motto you know what i mean it's true (laughs) okay uh well with all that said i'd like to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another all one word and on letterboxd at tmao which i promise i will update at some point you can find episodes of the show on anchor spotify apple and google podcasts stitcher breaker overcast podcast attic and every other podcast service under the sun as they made another one you can reach us via email at TMAO at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and other movies that when you pair them together form a yin-yang duality of balance. Liam, where can people find you?
1: You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow.
0: And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at MrCoryPrice. And with that out of the way, um, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you here next time for more They Made Another One. I am the law. <laughs> Liam, you got to say it. Nice.
1: Uh, uh, ah! What? That was that was the dude responding to Sylvester no, Stallone. He, say, uh, he says
0: law. He goes law. <laughs> Not a joke. That's what he says. He goes it's like I am the law and he goes law.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'll have to revisit that movie too. No,
0: you don't. It's fine.